Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris, and we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday. And the topic is, oh my God, I have the, I have the listing. I took the listing. Now what? So before we get to the next point, Julie, what point are we on? I believe we're starting on number six today. So if you missed yesterday's radio show, you can listen to it in replay and get caught up. So Julie, I have had um, several calls with our coaches today and several coaching calls with agents in general who need extra help, and they all seem to be having this uh, challenge. And the challenge is, and, and this is really, I think, a, this is valid information even if you're a grizzled veteran, making sure that we don't put our own values on our clients. What do I mean by that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. routinely today, again, many, many times in the past month or so, I'm hearing agents who are essentially standing in their own way of, making sales specifically to buyers. And the typical scenario is they're um, causing the, uh, by giving the buyer too much information, they're causing paralysis, analysis paralysis. And so you are probably listeners guilty of this. So I'm going to ask you a question. And this is a question that kind of clears the mind and this will kind of, you know, maybe open yourself up to the fact that you are maybe stymieing your own ability to sell more properties. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, so a buyer comes to you and they say, I'm looking for a good deal on a home. What do you say? Don't they all say that, by the way? So, you know, Julie, I'm your prospective buyer. I'm looking for a good deal on a home. What is, Julie, most agents, what do, what do they naturally think that means? <laughs> they want to go around lowballing. They have to get a certain, you know, percentage off or a certain dollar amount off to feel like they're getting a deal. Right. That's the essence of it. So. All of us. Or they're looking for a fixer-upper or they're looking, you know, something fairly radical, I'd say. Right. So you guys here, I'm looking for a deal. You and they, again, they all buyers will say that I'm looking for a good deal. Of course, you know, Mrs. Realtor, Mr. Realtor, your mind naturally and normally, and I understand why, goes to, well, they must be looking for a discount. And so then what happens is that you then start lowballing on properties. You spend too much time showing them costs for square footage. You basically... Um, start muddying the waters to the point where they never make a decision to purchase from you. Whereas had you gone back when they originally made that statement to you and asked this simple question, you, and, and you know when they said, you know, I'm looking for a good deal, and you would have said this, or should have said this, and hopefully we'll say this going forward, you know what, I appreciate the fact you're looking for a good deal, and obviously I hear that a lot. What does a good deal mean to you? Now, I want to listeners, tens of, okay, right. and I want to jump in here and make sure that they got that, because that's a very short memorizable, internalizable script that basically cuts right to it. So what is a good deal to you? It is actually different amongst different people. And here's what you'll discover. When you ask that question, very rarely, now I'm not saying price isn't one of the things they're going to rattle off, but very rarely is it number one. 
And by the way, in most markets, if that's all that their biggest buying criteria is, wanting to feel like they got it over on the seller and they're getting a great price, well, then guess what? That's probably a flaky buyer that's never going to buy because in most parts of the country, the sellers are still very much in control and they're not going to give the house away, especially when there's so many buyers that are wanting to purchase the house. So if you run into one of these investor sorts that's looking to buy a house at 20% off and they're very specific and they're sending you their spreadsheet analysis on what they're looking for and you know your market well enough to know that it's a seller's market, well, maybe you decide not to work with that buyer. But for the most part, what you're going to find when you ask that question is they're going to say to you, a good deal means to me that I can move in the house quickly. A good deal uh, means to me that it's not so far away from you know the places that we go on a normal basis, that being school, church, work, that sort of thing. A good deal means to me that the house is in great moving condition. A good deal means to me right? And they'll start telling you that the sellers are going to um, allow us to move in and, you know, next month opposed to the following month, a good, you know, then maybe price. Because the reality of it is, again, and this is really critical that all of you understand this, that price for the most part with normal retail consuming, you know, the guys that you guys work with, the buyers you work with 99% of the time, very rarely is getting the house at a huge discount important. Matter of fact, they're more than willing to pay retail or more than retail to get a house that represents or you know, is essentially a close, close enough to what they're, what they're looking for. So be very, very careful that you're not making this more complicated than it is. Because I'm in hearing that. I'm hearing a lot of you guys are spending way too much time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and here, here's an interesting little thought for you. And this is, I, I think I said this personally in the last 10 days. I probably told the story 20 times. <laughs> um, to different folks, and, and because it makes a great point. So Julie and I have two French bulldogs, Louie and Ollie. Our, you know, we two little, we love little, you know, stinkers. They're great little dogs. So um, Louie has had a series of health problems, as most uh, French bulldogs do. And one of the health problems he had, uh, this was years and years ago, uh, is he had to have one of his ears, inner ear canals, completely removed. A major, really big deal operation. Our vet. Uh, basically gave us a choice, and this is what he said. He said, I have two suggested surgeons for you. The first surgeon is somebody who's nice as the day is long. This guy will walk you through. He'll hold your hand. He'll talk to you, you know, after the procedure. He'll probably even want to take you out to dinner afterwards. Okay, so just a super sweet guy. The second guy is a total jackass, the other surgeon. He won't want to talk to you. He won't want to meet you. If you call him and ask him for any sort of advice from the dog afterwards, he won't take your call. Okay, and true story after the procedure, when Louis mended up well and he was in perfect condition, you know, we even sent the guy a thank you card. So, um, well, but you I'll forgot you the to say line. the rest of it was that, but he's a uh, really me, great surgeon. But go ahead. Yeah, that's right. And so the doctor said, but the second guy is a really great surgeon who gets the job done, but he's very businesslike. And then he said, which surgeon do you prefer? And Julie and I naturally said, well, the second one, not the first one. Most of you are the first one, not the second one, because you think that you know buyers are wanting some long-term friendship relationship type thing, where the reality of it is, is they want the procedure done so they can move on. So I told all of you guys that we mailed them a really nice thank you card afterwards, a picture of Louie, you know, he had a dog smile on his face, I mean the whole nine yards. Do you think we heard back from the guy? Of course not, but we didn't care. The moral of the story was is that we hired him to provide a, a, you know, a service, right, essentially what you guys are doing, and he did it, and he did it a great job, and Louie is all the better for it. When you have a buyer that hires you to help them find a house, your job is to what? Help them find the house. 
you need, especially, this is especially important for all coaching students. We have very specific uh, scripts and systems for working with buyers on a real estate coaching essentials coaching program. Coaching students, you've got to be following the scripts. There's four specific scripts that you need to be uh, memorizing. Well, three, really. You know, there's the three times out script, there's the floor model script, and there's the two others. So make sure that you get into real estate coaching essentials, you read the scripts, you watch the videos, because it'll save you all kinds of time. But really, this is a little aside from today's, you know, the presentation we have for you about how to uh, meet or exceed your seller's expectations. And what I'm hoping all of you take away from this is if you're finding yourself showing endless houses to buyers, if you're finding yourself negotiating, um, if you find yourself with uh, buyers that are getting themselves confused uh, because of the cost for square footage or whatever, all these other types of things that happen. It's probably your fault because you, you weren't the second surgeon at the start of the relationship. You were the first one. Um, so one other little thing I've heard continuously, again, I know it's because the, there's a lot of you know, fear about um, a continuation of a hot seller's market in most of the country. So this is the other thing. I, I'm going to just address this because you know, it's popping up everywhere. My buyers are, are afraid of overpaying. Well, is that even really possible if they're getting a mortgage? Can a buyer overpay if they're getting a mortgage? The answer is, if assuming that the mortgage isn't like you know 80% down, where there's no appraisal, the answer is no. The buyer cannot overpay if they're getting a mortgage, especially with the new Dodd-Frank mortgage regulations, especially if you're in Canada where things are very conservative. You cannot overpay because, Mr. Buyer, the simple fact is, is that you are, in essence, partners with the bank on this property. The bank is going to send in an appraiser. Now, the appraiser, yeah, it's going to protect you. But really, the appraiser's job is to make sure the bank isn't over lending on the house. So if that appraiser goes in and he thinks that the house isn't worth what the contract price is, well, then we renegotiate the contract. The you know, seller decides whether they want to accept it or not. You pay the difference or you walk away. It's that simple. So Mr. Buyer, please understand that in a market like this where homes are selling really quick, where there's 10 buyers that looked at the house before us and 10 that will look at it after us, if you see something you like, you by all means have to jump on the property. And in many parts of the country's, um, country, uh, folks, it is normal for houses to sell substantially over asking price. You know, In California, that's normal. In parts of New York, that's normal. So condition your buyers to make decisions quick, remove the objections ahead of time, and really be monitoring, be introspective to check yourself to see if you're the one that's creating the objections in the minds of the buyers where the reality of it is is the good deal for them it means they want to move in the next 30 days and they'd love to buy a house from you if you just you know just shut up and open the door and show them the houses that they like so again all this information is available on real estate coaching essentials existing coaching clients please drill down on that pay attention all the rest of you if you need any help understanding this please go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com freecoachingcallsforagents.com. So before we get to our presentation, a quick shout-out to our friends over at mojocells.com. Mojocells.com is a fantastic resource for all of you who are serious. I don't think I have a single – you know, Julie and I coach for three or four hours a day ourselves, and I think every single one of my top-producing agents, agents that are selling 7,500 houses a year consistently, all of them use Mojo Sells. I mean, you don't need any more of a testimonial than that. So – Absolutely, positively, if you're ready to learn how to be a listing agent, there's no better system out there that I'm aware of, especially for um, you know, when you're ready to learn your over-the-phone uh, over prospecting skills than mojocells.com. So, Julie, point number six. 
of, oh my gosh, I've taken the listing, now what? <laughs> That's right. So we just got done talking about managing buyer's expectations and maybe even managing your own expectations as real estate professionals. So let's switch gears and put our seller hat on for a second. Now we're going to manage our seller relationships. And really, Tim, there's two sides to this, and maybe even three. You've got part of the country, not very much it seems, is in a balanced market. So a balanced market is 90 days on the market, give or take, 60 to 120 days where you basically have one buyer for every listing, give or take, you're okay. All right, so then you've got a seller's market where the sellers are calling the shots. And the extreme version, I have clients in this situation, the extreme version is, Buyers don't even get to have a home inspection anymore. There's no renegotiating after your inspections. You want it inspected, too bad for you, or you simply have to, um, you know, inspect it before you bother writing the offer. So you've got no inspection an, for you. No inspection it's, for you. It's, 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 it's soup, soup Nazi, Nazi from no slides, inspection for you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so Sorry. that's the extreme version. Multiple offers, 300 people to your open house. I got one client in a section of San Francisco where her entire MLS. And her, well, I shouldn't say the MLS, not San Francisco's MLS, but the areas that she works, there's only 12 listings. That's it. So your next yeah. new listing pops on the market, and it's like a house party uh, open house. That's the extreme. And then we back down from there to any level of multiple offers, going over list price, that sort of thing. So, Tim, to your previous point on the buyers, sometimes, quote, a good deal means that you're the one who gets to buy the house. That's it. Yeah. Right. You exactly. didn't lose out this time. So make sure you're defining this by the personal uh, expectations of the buyers themselves, but also what's actually happening in your marketplace. Then you have the other end of the managing the seller's perspective, which is when you're in a buyer's market, and that is when the buyers are pretty much calling the shots. The house takes a while to sell. You're happy to have an offer at all. You're probably not going to sell it for full list, maybe even nowhere near full list. So. All of you guys have these different things going on in your markets, and even in the same marketplace, you know, when we were selling real estate, you'd have certain neighborhoods that the sellers would be unglued if it took 10 days to sell their home. And then you would drive 20 minutes away from that market, and, you know, 20 days, you're basically just getting started. They're not even anxious about getting the home brochure yet, because they know on average it takes maybe six months to get their home sold. So even within a market, you have micro markets, and that's why you've got to know your numbers. We always go back to that. So we talk about managing sellers. One of the best strategies, regardless of what type of market, is point number six. Again, points one through five were done on yesterday's radio show. So point number six, Tim, is under-promise and over-deliver. Under-promise and over-deliver. Not the other way around, which some of you guys fall into occasionally. Under-promise and over-deliver on all items for your sellers. So if the sign was going to be put in the yard, so you guys have your company installing the sign, some of you guys do it yourself, but if you know it's going to take until Wednesday, tell them it might be as late as Friday. That way when the sign goes in on Wednesday, you're the rock star. If it takes a week to produce home brochures, tell them 10 days, then they'll be excited when it comes in early. You can do this pretty much every step of the way. You can give them a range of where you expect their home to sell. This is if we're doing really great, and even if we're on this high end, we might have appraisal problems achieving that never-achieved price before. And this is on your worst-case scenario using our lowest comps. So manage their expectations. Anything you want to add to that under-promise and over-deliver uh, sort of theme, Tim? Well, it's basically on everything, you know, home brochures when you're yeah. going to have them done, you know, everything. Just, you know, it's, a, it's just such an easy way to wow your seller 
is uh, by exceeding just the time frames that you originally agreed to. And remember, those of you who are using the pre-listing pack, one of the elements of it is your communications guarantee. Well, that's a great place to really shine when it comes to over-delivering because of the fact that you're, you know, you, they signed something at the time you took the listing where you're committing to communicate with them that following these minimum standards, that's what the communications guarantee is all about. So they now to expect, and man, is it easy to blow those expectations out of the water, and they do pay attention. That's how you get raving fans. That's how you get people that are uh, eager to send you more um, List or more referrals, and that is how it works. That's when you see top producers who consistently grow their businesses every year. It's because they know these little. They're not really tricks so much as they're just basically, you know, they're ways that they do business. That's right. And so, sort of related to that is point number seven, and this is actually a really big point because it causes you to have to really know your numbers and study the market, maybe even doing some previewing, but that is your job as their trusted real estate advisor. So point number seven is manage their time frame when you take the listing. So what is the average days on the market in their neighborhood for homes of their style, their age, their floor plan, et cetera? Why is that important? Because that's the facts. Average days on the market is what has actually happened in recent days to their neighborhood. Are you in an area where average days on the market is five and you can expect 10 offers by the weekend? Or are you in an area where maybe because the price range, the school district, or both, maybe the average days on the market is 180? Some of you guys in low inventory markets are having a heart attack just hearing that that's possible, <laughs> that a house could take that long to sell. Well, don't make any assumptions. You know, the funny saying that goes on with that is, if you assume you make an ass out of you and me, remind yourself of that when you are thinking that you know, based on your previous experience, that it should take this long. You might be right, but check your facts. So what's the average days in the market? Well, that's what they can expect because it's based on fact. Compare that then, again, we're managing their expectations, compare that to what the seller, the homeowner's time frame is. So for example, if a house typically takes 90 days to sell in your neighborhood, but you have to move in 30, you're pretty much behind the eight ball. You should have been listed two months ago to achieve your self-imposed time frame. So do the average days on the market actually match what their goals are? That causes a conversation, right? Have the conversation when you take the listing that it could sell right away. What would that do to your plans? Or it could take the average days on the market. What does that do to their plans? Sellers will reject great offers sometimes because they just didn't plan for what to do when they got the offer right away. So there, there's two sides of this, Tim. There's the have to move today, but average days on the market's too long. And then there's the opposite, right? So sold too fast. And it always cracks me up when, you know, agents, and we had this happen. I'm sure you can remember many scenarios that you and I dealt with where, you know, we sold it faster than they thought. And this is where we learned this lesson. You wouldn't think that you could sell a house too fast or for too much money, would you? I mean, that's pretty counterintuitive. That's a little twilight zone, especially if you're in a normal market like where we sold. I have the uh, Chesterville home. I know what you're thinking of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's one There's one lady basically like, that we're pretty, sh we're pretty sure that she hired the mob to kill us because basically she. Uh, we sold her house that was unsellable that had been listed for like 15 years. And later we found out that really what was going on is that he wanted to sell it and she didn't. And she just figured that basically she just listed it again to placate him. And and we, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, we lucked out and it sold in like two weeks. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, so and she it was, was the highest was like, price ever achieved in their little town. 
Yeah, crazy. but in any event, anyone who's been in the business for a long period of time will have their own stories of woe to yeah. share about sellers. But you know what, Julie, this reminds me, a part of Real Estate Coaching Essentials, again, is our complete mm-hmm. home selling guide. We have, yeah. um, again, you guys, uh, coaching students, make sure you're getting your complete home selling guides completed. You know, There is uh, essentially all of what we're talking about, setting the expectations for the seller, are covered in the guide. It's essentially their manual to getting their home sold while working with you as their listing agent. You know, so again, I don't want to talk uh, a lot about that. Maybe we should on a future radio show, but that's definitely something existing coaching students need to uh, be getting knocked out for sure because, again, it helps to alleviate the expectations that sellers have and, you know, cuts out the surprises and the ahas. That's right. And so that's a, we used this analogy yesterday a little bit too. When you know that something could happen, you have time to think about it. So you actually, on your listing presentations and when you're taking that listing contract, you want to have those discussions, right, and make sure that you're managing their expectations. So what does it mean if their home sold right away? Well, what would they do to their plans? We don't want them to reject a great offer just because they were surprised. And a lot of you guys in low inventory markets are telling us about these experiences you're having. That's why we're getting in front of the issue. So point number eight, and this is an important point as well, your goal should be to try to over-communicate with your sellers. I have a long-standing challenge, Tim, which is I challenge our students to have somebody call me or you or any of our other coaches, one of their clients or prospects, to complain about their over-communication. Please call them up. Make them stop calling me and updating me on what's happening. I have yet to get that call, but it's a standing challenge. So try to over-communicate with your sellers, your buyers, and your prospects, but especially your listings who have signed a contract with you and are trusting their future housing to you. But it's actually impossible to over-communicate. If you're not talking to them, here's a, here's a question, right? If your sellers haven't heard from you in a while, what do they think you're doing? If, you were to, if I were to call and interview them, and they haven't heard from you in three weeks, and I ask them, what do you think your listing agent's doing right now this very moment? What do you think their answer is? Well, it's not going to be good, <laughs> right? It's not going <laughs> right. to be good. It's not going to be, you know. hmm, I bet they're out hunting for a buyer for my home. No, they're going to assume you're on the golf course. You know, Maybe you're on vacation. You don't care about them. They're not important enough for you. You're too busy for them. All of that is recipe for an expired or a getting fired. Well, and it goes to back to the communications guarantee, right? And the communications right. guarantee is something that we strongly suggest all of you use. It's part of the pre-listing pack. It's something that's one of your key differentiators, your unique selling propositions. And when you're working with expired listings, guess what? The communications guarantee is going to be the thing that's going to get your uh, – they're going to choose you because every single seller, anyone who's ever done a real estate transaction, NARS uh, surveys always prove this out. The number one complaint that they always have about realtors, especially if it was expired, but in a general, right, is that they did not hear enough from their agent. How simple is that? to uh, essentially get in front of. How simple is that to meet the expectations, if not exceed the expectations of your sellers when it comes to communicating? Look at the, uh, the communications guarantee. It's all very basic stuff, a lot of which, dare I say, you can delegate, a lot of which you can delegate just not even to a person, but to a great you know, follow-up system like, say, for example, homefeedback.com. I mean, there are so many systems, technological uh, uh, things out there, widgets that make it so you literally... Uh, run the chance if you were to employ half the things that we suggest you do of over-communicating with the seller. But again, you'll never have a seller complain that you're over-communicating with them. They'll love it. 
Um, and that's how you're going to get referrals. And when you, you know, I ask some of you sometimes, why is it that you're afraid to call your centers of influence and past clients? Or why is it that you're afraid to, um, when speaking with your existing sellers, ask for referrals? It's because you're embarrassed by the fact that you have not been communicating with them at a very high level. Easy problem to fix, don't you think? Remember, the rule is that for every one listing that you take, you should do at least three transactions. Never forget that. And if you're not doing three transactions for every one listing you're taking, then you're making a mistake. You're doing probably a number of things wrong or subpar in the minds of your sellers. How is it three transactions? Well, if it's a seller moving up, then they're, you're going to get the buy side. If it's a listing, you might double-end it, or you might just get another buyer off that uh, listing and sell them something completely different. The point is, and this is, goes back to the heart of one of the, the pillars of our coaching program is teaching all of you guys to be listing agents. Um, you know, the bottom line is, is that everything follows listings. When you have listings, you will always get the buyers. You don't need to buy buyer leads when you have listings. And really, the bottom line also is that when you have a listing, three transactions. Those of you who want to know how to sell 30 houses, here's a little secret for you. List 10 houses. There it is. Julie, what's the next point? That's right. So point number nine, follow NAR's pricing strategy. They state, remember, we like NAR. We pay them our dues. They have economists. They study this stuff. So follow what they're telling you. Follow NAR's pricing strategy, which says, if you have 10 showings or you go two weeks on a listing and don't have an offer, you have a pricing issue. Lots of showings and no offers, you're probably missing it by 5% or you're 5% overpriced. Few or no showings, seems like the market hasn't cared about your listing at all for two weeks. NAR states you're probably 10% maybe worse overpriced. Some of you guys wait like a month before you even think about this stuff. So 10 showings mean 10 times, 10 people have seen the house and they haven't written an offer? Something's wrong there. That's a lot of showings. That's a lot of vacuuming for your seller. That's a lot of folding up their clothes and getting ready and sprucing up the house and turning on all the lights. You think they might be getting frustrated by now after 10 showings? Good time to talk to them. And you can good time to have are, told them. Yeah. Good, good time to have told them when you took the listing in the first place, and your complete home selling guide that you know basically, Mr. Seller, after two weeks or ten showings, your market might differ. By the way, you can change those statistics if it's more appropriate that things are selling quicker. You might want to say five days or five showings. Um, but in any event, Mr. Seller, if we don't have an offer after uh, two weeks or ten showings, whichever comes first, generally speaking, we're you know five to ten percent overpriced. You put it in writing at the time you take the listing, after the contract is signed, you give them the complete home selling guide, you're exposing them all you know, through the guide, showing them exactly what happens next, exactly what they should be expecting from you when they should be expecting it, so that when you call them and ask them, remember, we never say lower the price, agents, never, ever, ever, you say reposition the house on the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectations. You never say overpriced, never, ever tell a seller they're overpriced, say we're just ahead of the market you know we're not overpriced we're just ahead of the market yeah we're saying the same thing we're just playing with words but guess what the way that we're suggesting you uh, say these things is a lot less offensive to the sellers right less heart uh heart attack inducing shall we say <laughs> so <laughs> yeah follow the pricing strategy and it, you know what was crazy about that tim when we started presenting that when we took listings do you remember sellers used to count 10 showings and call us and say, I guess we need to reduce it by 5%? <laughs> right. Like, well, I'll tell you, we, we, took awesome. the next, 
We took it to the next level. I told you guys this yesterday. We wouldn't even have, Julie and I weren't even doing the, you know, we, there are times when we had literally dozens of listings, and it just is unrealistic for us to, you know, call all of them every single week. So we had assistants doing it, and we had two assistants doing it. And this, part of the assistant script was, um, you know, and these, uh, let's see, we're at, yeah, they were both licensed, were they? weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they were essentially say like, you know, it's been two weeks or ten showings, and Tim and Julie um, asked me to let you know that we're going to be repositioning the house on the market. We're currently listed for, you know, four nine nine nine, and the new price is. And, and sometimes they'd haggle. Sometimes they'd say, I want to think about it. For the most part, they'd say, well, okay. <laughs> because they were expecting right? the call. You had already talked to them about that, you see. That's right. It's like the pilot telling you turbulence is coming versus, oh, my God, the plane's shaking. What's happening? Right? So make sure you're managing their expectations. Now, a final point, and this is timing out perfectly. Number 10, yep. know the competition. Preview. Well, some of you will say, but the house isn't on the market long enough for me to preview the competition. Well, guess what? You can get online. You can go to your MLS. You can look at the pictures. You can see what you get for the money. You can call the listing agent. You can call the previous closings and find out, did they have multiple offers, how many days in the market, what was happening with that, did they have granite countertops or didn't they, does it need rehabbed or doesn't it, was it on the busy part of the road or wasn't it. So know your market, that's going to help you with most of these issues. When you talk the talk and you sound like the professional trusted real estate advisor that you claim to be, and when you actually are that person, you're going to have a lot better relationships with your sellers. Some of you guys take a listing, pray to the real estate gods, and then if it doesn't sell right away, you're stymied by what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and then you get fired by your seller or you have a very contentious relationship with the seller. We're here to help you stop having those feelings, stop having 3 a.m. real estate night sweats. The way to do that is to manage your seller's expectations from the beginning. And none of these 10 points that we've talked about yesterday and today are out of any of your wheelhouse these are easy things to correct, you know, under promise, over deliver at every step of the road. That's easy to fix. Check your mindset. What is your expectations? You can, you can fix that, right? So watch your pricing. Do your previewing. Know your market. These are all things that help you manage your seller's expectation, but also nice byproduct. They make you a better, stronger agent overall by having to do this. Funny thing, Tim, and we know our agents that use the pre-listing package with the communications guarantee, they often will say, well, I guess this is going to hold me accountable to actually communicating with them. That's right. <laughs> yes, like, well, it yeah. will. That's correct. <laughs> or, like we said, when you and listen to the call we did the other day, the radio show we did the other day on team building, you can obviously have your staff facilitate and take care of all the expectations from the sellers as well. But then don't think that you can just basically walk away from that relationship. You have to make sure that whoever you delegated that to is actually doing it, which, by the way, was our uh, first point. Don't abdicate the responsibility. You, de- you can delegate, but don't abdicate. So listen to that radio show on how to build your team that we did a couple days ago. Hey, Julie, we got, covered all of our points, and we did it perfectly. So good job. Good job, you. Yeah, you as well. So the most important thing, don't just say that was a great radio show. Thanks, guys. Actually do something about it and ask for help if you need it. Free coaching calls for agents.com. We're always here to help you. And so listen, most important thing, those of you who are um, ready, request a free coaching call. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Be our absolute pleasure to help you in any way that we can. Free coaching calls for agents.com. And thanks to our friends at mojocells.com for sponsoring today's radio show. Everyone have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.